Hi, writers. Welcome to our new episode on the craft of writing fiction, both short stories and novels. This is Jim Thayer. I recently discovered ChatGPT, and I'd like to mention it for a moment. Times change, and we writers likely need to change with it. I wrote my first novel on my high school graduation present from my mom and dad. It was an Olympia manual typewriter, a a beautiful machine. I still have it. You might be too young to remember those. You had to press the key down about an inch. Uh, Now I have a state-of-the-art laptop, and you probably do too, or a desktop uh, computer. Research for our novels has changed, too. When I was younger, uh, to research a novel I was writing, I would sometimes travel from my home over to the University of Washington's main library, the remarkably beautiful Susalo Library right on campus. I'd sometimes go deep down into the sub-basement amid stacks where no undergraduate had visited in a decade, and I'd search dusty volumes for a fact. The reason I needed uh, a fact was that readers know a remarkable amount of information, and there are readers out there who are hobbyists and know everything about old locomotives or revolvers from the 1890s or, or American quilting, Amazon River fish, grain elevators from 1910, and everything else. And if a writer mentions in the story a fact that is wrong and the reader knows it, it'll bring the reader right out of the story, and it'll lessen the credibility and so the enjoyment of everything else in the story. I had, and I still have, a considerable number of research books at home, but sometimes I needed a fact I couldn't find, so over I'd go to the University of Washington Library. I'd be gone two hours. Uh, Then Google and Wikipedia came along, and I stopped going to the library. Google and Wikipedia are miracles for aiding research for writers. Research Let me say again, if our novel we are writing doesn't require some research on our point, it may not be as interesting as we hope. I have, in the past week, become a convert to ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence website designed to understand and generate human-like answers. ChatGPT describes itself as an artificial intelligence language model. It's been developed by OpenAI. The name ChatGPT combines chat, meaning that it's a chat box where you type back and forth with it on the internet, and GPT, which stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, a type of large language model. Uh, Bear with me a moment on this topic. For, for a lot of writers, uh, for a lot of us, chat GPT is unsettling. It appears to be able to write things. Uh, it's threatening uh, to us. For a chapter I'm writing, I asked chat GPT this morning, what does a morgue in 1920 smell like? 
In several full conversational sentences, it answered disinfectant, decomposition, and formaldehyde. Then I asked it, what was a, uh, what was a common disinf- in disinfectant in 1920? And it answered, Lysol. Then I asked, what does Lysol smell like? It replied that early Lysol smelled slightly of coal tar. Then I asked, what does formaldehyde smell like? It answered that people often think formaldehyde smells of pickles. You've heard me mention the importance of adding scent to our scenes. All of these questions and answers are directly related to the paragraph I was writing. I wanted to discover what a morgue smelled like, and I could see where these answers might be harder to find at Google and would certainly take longer to find. ChatGPT never answers with one word, such as Lysol, but rather gives a paragraph or two of descriptions. I was amazed. Whoever wants to know what formaldehyde smells like, and how could chat GPT know the answer is pickles? It generated an answer in a second or two, always, uh, and it was always in full sentences. Uh, chat GPT is faster and more complete than a quick Google search, and it's often faster than a Wikipedia search, and, and chat GPT answers arcane questions. What does formaldehyde smell like? But here's a, a caution. Chat GPT can be dead wrong. I asked it a question I knew the answer to, and it gave me the wrong answer. Uh, let me admit, I asked about myself, and it, it mentioned a, a couple of novels I'd written and had a nice thing to say. I guess it picked up from a review. And then it said that I had written a novel I hadn't written and had never heard of. So it was dead wrong, and I found it to be wrong in a couple other insta- instances too. And when it's wrong, it can sound as convincing as when it's right. Uh, the folks at ChatGPT admit that this can happen, and they and they give a caveat against accepting its answers all the time. D- depending on who we listen to, uh, artificial intelligence will pave our streets in gold, or it'll push humanity off a cliff, or something in between. I can't foretell a future, of course, but for right now, ChatGPT has become a good research tool for me, and it may be for you. Uh, let me suggest you give it a try. To sign up, go to chatopeneye.com. So that's C-H-A-T period O-P-E-N-A-I period C-O-M. Uh, the website will ask for your name and phone number. My experience so far is that it isn't selling or using my phone number in any way. I gave it a landline number I never use, and I don't even answer when it rings. Then it'll ask you to create a password, and that's it. It's ready to go to work for you. Plus, chat GPT can be fun. I'm reading for the second time Laura Hildebrand's wonderful nonfiction book about the racing horse Seabiscuit. I've never been around horses much, and and I view it as a 
deficiency in my life. I asked ChatGPT if horses can be affectionate. It produced a nice essay saying yes and showing how horses show affection to humans. They nuzzle and nicker and follow you around. And then I ask another question. Pat, uh, Patty and I were in Africa early this year, and I, uh, and just this morning, I asked Chat GPT, "Why do female lions do all the work?" Chat GPT produced an essay. It was nuanced and balanced, and it didn't entirely slam male lions, but essentially, it agreed that female lions do all the work. I grinned when I read it. Benjamin Franklin said, lost time is never found again, and uh, I think chat GPT will save us writers a lot of time, and it's fun. I'd like to mention genres in fiction. Here's a suggestion. If we don't know what genre the novel we are writing in, try to figure it out. We should try to label it with a genre. Why, agents and editors and readers, their first question regarding a manuscript is, or a novel is, what is this? If the question can be answered by naming a genre, the question's answered. Genres tell agents and editors what they have in their hands. I've received several messages from listeners who say something like, I can't figure out what my genre is. My novel is a, is a mix of fiction and horror. Mixing genre levels is fine. Uh, this uh, particular uh, fellow's uh, genre is science fiction horror. It's a perfectly understandable category. You can have a detective romance or a literary romance, or a sci-fi western, I suppose. These are understandable categories offered in a word or two. What does the word genre means? It's simply this, a category. Uh, genre is a derogatory term uh, to many people. Some novelists, including wonderful writers such as George V. Higgins and Raymond Chandler intensely disliked being thought of as genre writers. They were considered detective novel writers. If we look at the fiction bestseller list at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or in the newspaper, or the fiction bestseller table at our local bookstore, almost every title fits into a genre. Agents and publishers understand this. And when they look at your query letter or proposal or your novel, their first question will be, what is this? How does it fit into the market? They want to know the novel's genre. Isn't writing in a genre limiting? Not at all. The genres, in any event, cover just about anything we'd want to write anyway. Here are some genres. Mainstream, Romantic, uh, uh, romantic comedy, romance, comedy, detective, thriller, science fiction, fantasy, western, sports, women's fiction, horror, historic. Even authors considered America's preeminent men and women of letters write in a genre called literary fiction, which can be described as 
self-conscious and writerly prose. Uh, it's no less a genre than any of the others. Joyce Carol Oates and John Updike and Norman Mailer and Annie Prolix might not like to hear it, but they're genre writers. They write in the genre called literary fiction. Masterful writing exists within the genres. Patrick O'Brien wrote thrillers, or perhaps they were historicals, his wonderful seafaring novels. Uh, Raymond Chandler uh, wrote detective novels. H.P. Lovecraft wrote horror. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote fantasy. I read once that Lord of the Rings has been called one of the few 20th century novels likely to endure. John le Carre wrote thrillers. Edgar Allan Poe not only wrote in all genres, but he is also said to have invented all of them. If our goal is to enter posterity, writing in a genre won't bar our way. Writing in a genre doesn't mean pounding out hack work. Uh, the literary critic B.R. Myers says that, quote, intellectual content can be reconciled with a vigorous, fast-moving plot. And he gives, in his, as an example, Bud Schulberg's novel, What Makes Sammy Run, and John O'Hara's appointment in Samara. Uh, smart people read genres. Uh, a strong argument can be made that Teddy Roosevelt bro uh, brought more mental horsepower to the presidency than anyone before or since. And he was an avid reader, reader of dime novels. And among Franklin Roosevelt's favorite writers was Craig Rice, the author of the hard, uh, an author of hard-boiled detective novels. U.S. Grant, maybe America's best general, read many novels when he was at West Point, including those of Edward Bulwer-Lytton, who wrote the novel Paul Clifford, which begins with the immortal line, It was a dark and stormy night. Writing in a in a genre is not imitative. It doesn't mean you need to fear your plot's been done before because it's all been done before. There's a school of thought that says there are only five plots in the world. They are man against man, man against himself, man against nature, man against society, and Man Against God, and all novels are derivatives of these five. The literary agent Donald Moss says, quote, There are certainly no new plots, not a one. There are also no settings that have not been used and no professions that have not been given to protagonists. That's Donald Moss. So whatever we write, we won't be the first and we shouldn't worry about it. Edith Wharton said the fear of imitation is immature. So we should figure out what genre our novel is. And one of the reasons is uh, genres have conventions, and identifying our genre will help structure our thinking as we plot the novel and begin to write. Once we know the genre, uh, Again, whatever you plan to write is probably already in a genre. In a genre, 
and and we've become familiar with the genre, our plot and character planning will be more clear, and we'll uh, avoid mistakes that might lead to manuscripts that aren't publishable. All genres have conventions, and the movie critic Roger Ebert called them, quote, the ancient story machinery groaning away below the deck that makes us smile. So, uh, for example, if you're writing uh, a romance novel, uh, romance novels have conventions that can tell us what's expected, what readers want, and so what the market wants. The Romance Writers of America says a romance novel is a, quote, love story with an optimistic and emotional, uh, emotionally satisfying ending. End quote. Isn't that great to know? If we've written a romance novel where the heroine, heroine is in despair at the end of the novel, we've probably wasted our time. Writers, uh, readers of romance want a happy ending. Uh, regarding romance, Linda Barlow and Jane Ann Krentz write that, quote, the reader trusts the writer to create and recreate for her a vision of a fictional world that is free of moral ambiguity, a larger-than-life domain in which ideals as courage, justice, honor, loyalty, and love are challenged and upheld, end quote. And Nora Roberts says, and who knows better than her, quote, the books are all about the celebration of falling in love and emotion and commitment and all those things we really want. That's Nora Roberts. If we know we are writing a romance, there's a lot of uh, information out there about how to write a romance. Uh, for example, uh, Judy Devereaux says, quote, A lot of new writers come to me and say, I'm going to give the reader two romances in one book. My response is always, you couldn't come up with enough plot for one, right? So you're going to stick a second one in. That's Judy Devereaux, and she says that's a taboo. People who read romances only care about the hero or heroine. These genres, romance and the others, all have protocols that readers want and expect and which offer, quote, comfort between the covers of a book, as a headline in the Buffalo News put it. Uh, we should try to increase our chance of writing a novel that will be published. And to do that, learn what our genre is, give it a label, a genre, and follow the ideas in that genre that have worked time and time again. I would like to mention again dialogue tag modifiers. I talked about this earlier and uh, want to do it again because it's so important. Leaving out inappropriate dialogue tag modifiers is the easiest way to instantly become a better dialogue writer. A dialogue tag is, she said, in this sentence. Quote, I don't have the key, end quote, she said. Or, he asked in this sentence, where is the boat, he asked. 
I want to offer a surefire way for most of us to improve our manuscript that'll take 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, a technique that we can put in our pocket. I once edited a novel by a very good writer. The, the plot was fascinating and his characters were uh, strongly drawn and unusual and it was a pleasure to read and it was a and it was a pleasure to work a pleasure to work on but the writer had a weird quirk uh, some sort of a blindness about dialogue tags every single time he used a dialogue tag such as she said he added a modifier every time I, of course, uh, told him about this as gently as possible, but to make my point, I started to list his modifiers. He said eagerly. She said bluntly. She said swiftly. Don replied coldly. He asked anxiously. She said anxiously. He murmured excitedly. Tiffany said compassionately said irritably, said somberly, said impatiently, answered grimly, <laughs> replied sharply, replied stiffly, answered dubiously, replied uh, regretfully, said angrily, asked smugly. Uh, there were many, many more. Uh, and the reason I go on about this is that it's an important topic and Professional writers and editors laugh at these dialogue, dialogue tag modifiers. Here is Elmore Leonard on the subject. It's number four on his famous ten rules of writing. Here's Elmore Leonard. Never use an adverb to modify the verb said, he admonished gravely. To use an adverb this way, or almost any other way, is a mortal sin. The writer is now exposing himself in earnest using a word that distracts and can interrupt the rhythm of the exchange. That's Elmore Leonard. Uh, this is an important concept in writing fiction. Generally, these said and asked modifiers sound pasted on. They weaken rather than strengthen the dialogue, and they usually don't, don't add anything the reader doesn't already know. Uh, they should rarely be used. So, Here's what we can do to instantly make our manuscript better. Do a global search of the manuscript by pressing Ctrl and F at the same time. In the pop-up box, type said, followed by a space. Uh, not just the word said, S-A-I-D, but the word said, followed by a space. The global search function will find said sarcastically said happily, said winningly, said helpfully, and maybe many others. Same with asked, followed by a space, A-S-K-E-D, space. It'll, the global search function will find asked artfully and asked vaguely. And <laughs> my favorite, asked inquiringly. Done this way, global search won't find strong dialogue tags, such as those ending with a period or comma, she said. Uh, it'll just find those dialogue tags that have been modified, Jim said helpfully. Our, our job as writers is to make sure our dialogue conveys the meaning rather than adding a rickety adverb to said. 
if the reader has a good sense of who the character is and what the character is experiencing, the reader will, will hear the tone of the character's voice. If an old and cranky character says, get out of there, there's no need to add a modifier to his word, such as, get out of there, he said sourly. <laughs> if our character has been shown to love dogs, we can write, what a rascal you are, Joni said. We don't need to add a modifier. What a rascal you are, Joni said sweetly. But if if we want to add more punch to the character's words, here, here's a good technique. Sometimes we can add, uh, we can use action to show how the character is feeling as she speaks a dialogue. If the character is happy, we don't want to write, I won, he said gleefully. Instead, try this, uh, quote, I won, period, end quote. Don raised both his arms above his head. Or this, I won. Don hugged his wife. Uh, instead of writing, quote, I sure miss him, comma, end quote, Diana said sadly, we can write, I sure miss him, Diana stared at his photo. We can add an action after the dialogue or before the dialogue if we don't think the dialogue is conveying uh, what we want to. The main point is avoid dialogue tag modifiers. We have arrived at the end of this episode, Jim said cheerfully but also regretfully. I look forward to the next time, and I hope, I hope to see you then. This is Jim Thayer. Please keep tapping those keys. <laughs>